We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Money God's Way and My Heart Set Free. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Provide for My Household. My Heart Set Free to Provide for My Household. As we continue this series on stewardship, which is called Money, God's Way, Uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, my heart set free uh, to provide for my household. You know, typically when someone in a church, uh, usually a pastor or a finance team member or an elder stands up and begins to talk about uh, finances as it relates to the church and to the people of God, uh, uh, typically, what do you expect next? Uh, what, a discussion about the fact that we need to give more. We need to honor the Lord in our finances. We have needs in the church. We have people that have needs in the church. And um, that's all very real. Uh, God has a lot of thoughts about uh, tithing, about generosity, about giving, and those will come at the right time. Uh, but today I want to flip it around. And think about this, the 90-10 rule, 90-10 rule. Now, if you don't know what that means and you can't figure it out, we'll get to it in a couple weeks, uh, the other side of that. But typically, a scripture talks about tithing, and that's the practice that my wife and I have, giving 10% of our income back to the work of God. Now, typically, again, that's what we think of when we talk about stewardship and churches. But what about that whole other part? What about the 90%? What about the part that God has given to me that I am also stewarding? There is so much in scripture Uh, that often is never even touched on, about what am I supposed to do in stewarding my resources, uh, the 90% that God calls me to uh, invest in many different areas, uh, especially related to my family. Uh, If you want to turn there, I'm going to have a number of scriptures today. The first one we're going to go to is 1 Timothy uh, 5.8. The focus today is on my heart set free uh, to provide for my household Paul begins this thought, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, he's been talking about the need of the church to provide for widows and for widows who have families. So the families are meant to provide for their uh, mothers and grandmothers. And he says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What? That's not the verse you typically read in church when you're thinking about finances, uh, but it's a very, very, very important uh, principle about providing uh, for our families. Now, for most of us, it's like, duh, that's kind of common sense. I tell you, one of the greatest joys and privileges as an adult is to have children and to provide for them and to bring blessing into their lives or at Christmas time or other times to see family members and to give them gifts and to provide for them and to bless them. A giving is certainly a blessing within our own uh, family. Uh, but too many times, and as a pastor, you're all too aware of this, and all you need to do is watch a little television. There's too many examples of people that don't even live out this basic concept. I was uh, watching with my family uh, one of the most fascinating uh, TV shows I've ever watched. It was on Netflix. It's, uh, you can look this up today if you want. Have some fun this afternoon because you'll be inside. So uh, some great ideas on what to do, um, unless you're going sledding, is to um, watch this series. It's from the History Channel. It's on Netflix. It's called The Men That Built America. And it looks at some of the uh, kind of business tycoons, names that you would recognize, like, um, I bet you just give them to me right now. What are they? Rockefeller. Carnegie, 
Her, <laughs> that's a good one. That's my suggestion for number six. Um, but um, I was watching the, the part about Rockefeller. Here's a little boy that grew up in uh, this state, in Cleveland, Cleveland area. His father pretty much mostly abandoned the family. He would randomly show up, but for the most part, the mother and, and, and all of the kids were expected to uh, provide, and he could, even his dad told him, don't trust me. What a statement. But I want to look at this. What, how, how are we to provide for our families, and, and what does it mean? Maybe I would never think of walking away from my family, but what does it mean to adequately provide, biblically to provide and to steward my resources so that I can uh, care for my family according to what scripture tells me? As I said, one of the greatest blessings is for a man or a woman, and if you're married, as a couple, uh, to care for your children and provide for them. Now, why don't you drop this down? Faithful stewardship means that I must provide for my household. I must provide for my household. Now, fathers, I want you to get, get, and men, I want to get your attention here for just a minute. I want to say a couple things very important. When we think of this term provision, many, I love the men in our church and their passion to work hard and to provide for their families, as with many mothers who work hard both inside and outside the home to provide for their families. But men, I want to talk to you for a minute. I want you to hear me on something. There's two things that we need to keep in mind that maybe you haven't heard before or haven't thought about for a while. First is, a provision as a father and as a husband is more than just money. Okay, I know we're talking about money here, but I want you to think about this. Uh, Some fathers go wholeheartedly into providing for their family financially, but forget about providing spiritually, spiritual direction, love, care, feedback. And for sometimes forget about the emotional aspect, about uh, providing emotional support and love and time uh, to their families. So I don't want us to go and miss some very important things. Fathers, we're called to provide for our families across the board. If you have questions about that, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, among uh, many other passages throughout Scripture. Here's the other thing I want to say to men. This is wisdom, okay? I don't want you to get confused between uh, wisdom and God's Word, But I heard somebody say something that I thought was very, very wise about marriages. It said, uh, men, uh, if you go back to Genesis, men were called to work the ground first. And in your marriage, if you want to help your marriage thrive in conjunction with this concept of finances, make sure that you work hard enough and think strategically enough to provide for your family so your wife does not have to work and you have the basic necessities. Now, you might not have a, uh, the biggest house in the world. You might not have the nicest, newest cars. You might not have brand new curtains. Who needs curtains anyways? Um, you might not have all the things she wants. If she wants to work and, and, and add more aspects to that, my wife doesn't work outside the home. She might someday. Uh, that's kind of frosting on the cake. But men, you should provide enough or go back to school, or do something different so that you can provide enough for your family your wife does not have to work. That's one of the needs, emotional needs, that a wife has for stability, and that's a need that a man needs to bring to the table uh, in his home. Does that make sense? Again, that's wisdom. I don't have a verse for that per se, but it's built on the principles of Scripture. Faithful stewardship means that I must provide for my household. That's what faithful, faithful stewardship is. That's what we're going for. Last week, we looked at the foundation of biblical stewardship. Do you remember what the the little line was? 
The foundation of biblical stewardship is that God owns it all. I am just a steward. I am a steward. God owns it all. Okay? And then we looked at the necessity of being a faithful steward. I want to draw a concept for you. I think this will be really helpful in grasping all these different things we're going to be talking about, some of which we'll address today, some of which are yet to come. Uh, But I want you to look up here for a minute, and you see I'm standing on a platform, right? This is my foundation, okay? If you have a house and you don't have a foundation, you're not going to have a house for very long. You need a foundation, and the foundation of everything we're talking about uh, from God's word is that God owns it all, and we talked about that last week. But now I want you to imagine with me that there's a three-legged stool up here. You ever see one of those, those three-legged stools? So like the seat, the part that you sit on, or if you're a kid, you stand on and scare your mother to death, is the seat, okay? That is called faithful stewardship, okay? And that's what we're going for. But faithful stewardship, what I'm going to sit on here, uh, rests on three legs, all of which are key to us living biblically and having a faithful stewardship before the Lord. Let me give you those three legs. You're going to write these down in your notes here. A faithful stewardship stands on three legs. Here's the first one, working diligently. Working diligently. Here's the second leg. Trusting God completely. Trusting God completely. Here's the last leg. Planning wisely. Again, the foundation is God owns it all. It does not pay to sit on a stool that is in standing in thin air. Unless you're jumping out of a plane and you have a really good parachute. But that doesn't exist. You need a foundation of God owns everything and that means I'm going to be a steward. Then there's the seat of which we're gonna put our, we're gonna rest ourselves on. This is what our accountability to the Lord will be for faithful stewardship and that rests on three legs. Now think about this, working diligently, trusting God completely and planning wisely. If you take, uh, you ever sat on a two-legged stool? If I were sitting, trying to sit on a two-legged stool, what would that mean? It'd mean that I'll be sitting on the floor pretty soon, won't I? God forbid there's only one leg of the stool. And I want you to see that if we're going to approach God's word and grasp all of the wisdom and the truth that is required for biblical stewardship, you need all three. And they all three need to be operational. All three need to be strong if we're going to be able to honor the Lord in this area of finances, which someday we will give an account for. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Now, the rest of the series that we're going to be going through the next few weeks here in March is really basically an extension of this concept. And bringing each of them to light, I want to go to the first leg of the stool. We're going to be talking about that this morning and the second leg of the stool in a few minutes. I want you to jot this down first. Um, Providing for my household requires working diligently. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says this, that the 
the beginning of creation of this world, it says, the Lord took uh, the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. I love that verse because I think it really lays out a great deal of what we're talking about. First, he set him in the garden not to enjoy it, not to take a vacation, but to work it. And I think sometimes in our world, work gets a bad rap. Now, you can abuse work. It's called workaholism. Uh, There's all kinds of things you can do, but I believe that work is a gift from God. And I don't believe that when we get to heaven, it's going to be like the ultimate Disney vacation, okay? It's not going to be like, oh, work is done. Sin will be done. But I believe that work is a gift from God. It's the joy of doing something with our hands and building and making and creating and uh, using the God-given creativity and uh, energy that God has given us. And uh, if you go back to the garden, work wasn't a bad thing. Notice that it says, too, that God put him in the garden to work and to keep. That's stewardship. That's keeping up, using, making productive. Sadly, we gave up uh, the perfect work environment to follow the advice of a charming snake. And ever since, work has been about pain and brokenness. And provision has been lacking. So many times you read any magazine that has any global scope and there's something in there about how there's not enough in this place or there's corruption in this place or that place and there's all of these broken aspects. Um, Think about the epidemic of poverty. Not enough. In some cases, never enough. What's the answer to that? How do we approach that scripturally? Well, a few weeks ago, I was, um, uh, my wife and I went to uh, Arizona for a, a retreat, a senior pastors and wives retreat, all the harvest from Canada and the United States and uh, Mexico and all kinds of places. And we had a very interesting discussion talking about harvest, talking about missions, talking about a lot of very important things. But there was a man there who spoke at our, our retreat named Wayne Grudem. Uh, he wrote uh, arguably the, he's, I would say, probably the most influential uh, theologian of our generation, evangelically. And uh, he has a, I have his uh, systematic theology. This is probably one of the most well-known, uh, probably the most well-known uh, theology book uh, in this generation. And as we were there, you would also know Wayne Grudem if you have an ESV study Bible. He was the general editor of that. Uh, he's very gifted uh, in many things. But Wayne was talking, and he um, was sharing about an experience that he had had. Uh, He was at a conference, and a lady from Kenya walked up after the conference. And on this topic of poverty, she looked at him and said, is our nation just cursed? Is that why we're stuck in this uh, place of endless poverty? Is our nation cursed? Well, Wayne said, "I, I didn't really know what to say. I didn't really have categories to to even answer the question. But it got him thinking, and he began to research, and he got connected with an economist named Barry Asmus. And together, uh, they wrote a book called The Poverty of Nations. What he did is he began, it's called uh, The Poverty of Nations, A Sustainable Solution. You probably recognize the title as just a different take on one of the most famous books ever written called The, uh, The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. But in this book, um, Dr. Grudem uh, and, and Barry Asmus looked at 
Why is it that certain nations can provide for themselves and, and develop and use creativity and create wealth while other nations seem to be in a cycle of poverty that just gets worse and worse? And in some cases, uh, even though they've been given many resources from other nations, seem to squander them. What is behind all that? And they researched, you could even look at my notes if you wanted, they put together literally, I think it was like 70-some concepts that go into whether a nation will be filled with poverty or abundance. Well, he made one really important statement that I thought uh, really stood out to me, and as we're looking here at the concept of provision, you know, the question comes up, do we who are in the first world or those who are wealthy, is there a expectation, as some Christians have said, that we should, we have a, an obligation before God to help those who are stuck in poverty. Do we? Well, God's word has a lot to say about the poor. And um, generosity is critical to the life of a believer. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. But unlike some Christians who would say those who have ought to always give to those who have not, Dr. Gruda made this statement. He said, generosity solves urgent needs, but generosity does not solve poverty. And sadly, the church many times just pours money at things, but doesn't solve the problem. Well, I want you to think about this now as we come back into our own lives. We're looking at stewardship both as a church and as individual families. What does God's word say to us about providing for our family long term. Uh, in Dr. Grudem's book, if you wanted to pick it up, it's a great book. You could even, if you want to peek at uh, some of the concepts he raises, you can look at this after the service. But one of the things that he pointed out is it is essential for a nation to set up a situation where people can work hard and be productive. Now you can read more on that if you'd like, but I want to look at it as it comes to scripture. Uh, Proverbs chapter 28 Verse 19 and 20 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Providing for my household requires working diligently. Let me give you a few other verses from Proverbs. It says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 14, 23, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Proverbs 21, 5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You see, God's word has a lot to say about this concept of poverty versus productivity. Now, I want to be very careful to say this right at the beginning here. If you're in a bad place financially, that does not automatically mean that you're not working hard. Okay, I want to say that very clearly. Okay, uh, some people will, no matter who you are, no matter how faithful you walk before the Lord, there will be seasons that will be hard. And there will be seasons that are uncomfortable. Okay, we don't judge people's spirituality by their bank account. Okay, that's wrong. That's sin. But, Scripture says clearly that those who work hard will, over time, have an abundance, will have enough. It doesn't mean that you'll be uh, the next Rockefeller, okay? That's not what Scripture is saying. I want us to be developing 
a biblical understanding of finances. And maybe you've never really done that. One of the things I appreciate about uh, Travis, our treasurer, is uh, when we were beginning these discussions, he was sending me uh, pictures of all the Bible verses he had highlighted in his Bible based on finances. That's his passion, to help people uh, get out of debt, to get in a better place financially, and to steward their resources well. And he had all these verses. He just kept texting me. I told him, send me all you got, man. Just send me the... And he just kept texting me, texting me. And it got me thinking... I thought it'd be a great little challenge for those of us here who maybe uh, would be up to a challenge uh, to do, uh, I'll call it the green marker challenge, okay? And that is, I'm going to challenge you, uh, if you're up for this, uh, to get your Bible and for this next month to read a proverb every day and to look for what God's word says about money and about the character that influences money. Does that make sense? Now, there'll be a few chapters where it won't come up and you'll just have to be okay with that, you know, highlight something else in that chapter. Uh, but who would be up for that challenge? I have, I have a green marker or a green pen for you if you're willing to go for that. All right, marker or pen? All right. This is why you sit in the front rows. <laughs> Anybody else want one? All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, when you're doing this, if you're on Twitter um, and you have a thought, and you're like, oh, this verse is amazing, and I have a little thought that goes with it, you know, go on Twitter, maybe write a thought or put a verse down, and then put hashtag uh, money God's way. And we'll all kind of learn together, have some fun learning from Scripture on what God's Word says. But going back to this concept of providing for my household requires working diligently. Again, most of us would say, I know I'm supposed to work hard. And if I don't work hard, my boss gets cranky. But I want to talk to you for a minute about a few, what I'm going to call stewardship rats. Stewardship rats. And when you hear the word rat, I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, I guess now, I did some study on this, I guess some people consider rats to be pets nowadays. When I think of rat, I think of trap, kill, poison. Uh, Just a few thoughts that come to my mind. Scary, dirty, um, but whatever your thought, if you're a save the rats person, uh, you might need to hold off on this uh, illustration. But as I was reading about rats this week, um, I came across a really interesting concept. There's this temple called the uh, Karni Mata uh, Temple. It's in northeastern India. I have a little article I found on uh, National Geographic. And uh, I'm going to show you a picture of this temple. Uh, this is outside the temple. It's an ornate, isolated Hindu temple that was constructed uh, in the early 1900s as a tribute to the rat goddess uh, Karni Mata. By far the most intriguing aspect of the interior of this temple is the 20,000-odd rats that call this temple home. Uh, In Hinduism, many deities take uh, animal forms. Uh, One lady writes, The main theological point is that there's no dividing line between what forms gods or goddesses can use. And there's nothing to say that they can't take the form of a fish or bird or even a rat, writes uh, Rachel Fell McDermott. Now, this temple draws Hindu visitors from across the country, even around the world, hoping for blessings, as well as a curious tourist. And inside, shoes are not permitted. Tourists and worshipers alike hope to have rats run across their feet for good luck. Now, if that hasn't turned your stomach yet, I continue. Eating food or drinking water that previously has been sampled by a rat is considered to be a supreme blessing. 
But there's one rare blessing that draws the most attention, and that is the sighting of a white rat. The white rats are believed to be a manifestation of Karnimata herself or her kin. Sighting them is a special charm, and visitors put in extensive efforts to bring them forth, offering a candy-like food to draw these white rats out into the open. Now, unlike the rest of the world, where rats are commonly killed for inhabiting the same space as humans, in this temple, the rat residents are treated with sincere devotion. The veneration is so complete that if someone accidentally steps on a rat and kills it, they are expected to buy a gold or silver rat and place it in the temple as atonement. Wow. Now, I find it interesting they would even mention the term atonement. Atonement comes not through doing more things and more sacrifices and more crazy religious experiences or uh, duties. Uh, We know that through Jesus Christ, we have atonement once and for all. Jesus Christ took our place, took our sin on him. We are forever free. Amen? That's the glory of the gospel. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.